He's the man in the back of the room. Y con la voz de Dios. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, CEOs where to go, and stars when to shine. But as he likes to point out, Who cares? I care. It's true, she cares. And so does he. He's entertainment and production agency owner and meeting and event master, Anthony Bellotta. She's his Agent 99, and you're about to be Bellottified. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of Belotified, the one and only pod about events, entertainment, and engagement. I'm Anthony Belotta, and up here, as I am every week, with the always delicious, always optimistic, Alexia Cristina Postelides. Opa! Hello! Hi, how are you today? Hey, I'm great. I'm, I'm feeling so much better. I had a little... Uh, bad of vertigo last week um and thank god it was a one-day event so whenever i'm not in vertigo mode i'm super happy i imagine so i god bless i don't know how you deal with vertigo it just sounds like the most awful thing to deal with it's not fun because you have no control uh, you know there are times where it's just mild and you can get through your day then there are times where like Friday, I couldn't lift my head off the couch. And then there are times where one time I had to be uh, ambulanced. I had to have ambulance come because it felt like hands pushing me on the ground. I physically couldn't raise. So, uh, but Friday was a fairly mild. I just couldn't be upright. Wow. So it just meant I slept, which it was not a bad thing. No, but you know, I that sense that you just can't, just can't get out of bed you just can't bring up your head because you're going to get dizzy and disoriented and you feel like such a wimp i gotta tell you what do you mean you're dizzy get up get over yourself tape up go to work but you can't but you feel dumb oh well don't feel dumb <laughs> that's it's hard enough feeling dizzy <laughs> you gotta be dumb on top of it dang it's, it's, my Greek, it's my Greek stock, you know. Well, I'm glad day. to hear that you're feeling better. Yes. Yes. That's all. That's what it's about. It's about feeling better. Feeling, feeling delicious. Feeling delicious. As delicious as you are, you should feel that delicious. <laughs> for sure. For sure, for sure, for sure. So, um, you know, I was thinking about today's tipsy. And I got a little waylaid and, uh, you know, my initial intention was to give a tip that is completely different than the tip that I ended up with. And I hope this doesn't sound like a preachy tip. Uh, it's not meant to be. It's just meant to be, um, you know, something to just think about as we move through our days. Let's get tipsy. So the tipsy is building a legacy. Now, 
In our friend Mike Lee's newest book, New Rules for the Future of Leadership, he offers up a self-reflective exercise, that of crafting a eulogy describing yourself by answering such prompts as, how did you love? How did you impact? How did you matter? The purpose of the exercise is to help measure what you want to be known for, what you want people to say about you when you're no longer here, against the sum of your current and past actions. Doing the exercise effectively means taking a hard, honest look at the impact of your words and deeds. It offers insights to help you better align your words and deeds with your desired outcome vis-a-vis what you want to be known for. It's a valuable exercise, but if you're just not ready to think about yourself in the past tense or about the legacy you might leave, how about trying to think about your future and the legacy you can build? Doing so will help you more clearly define the values you deem important and can help you guide your deeds and words in keeping with those values. Ask yourself how you will matter, what impact you intend to make, how you will love and care, and how that will be felt by others, and dedicate yourself to living those values each and every day. Think about how to articulate them in your deeds and words, and remember that it is in the times of desperation that your dedication to these values is most crucial. And that's my tipsy. It's very woo-woo. It's what? Very woo-woo? It feels a little woo-woo to me. I Well, you know, so I, I, I connect with it deeply. Deeply. And this is a family this is a family thing for me. This is, this is something I grew up with. Um, it literally was a motto in my family, especially for my Yaya. And it, she would say, um, I'm going to have a, bear with me as I put this one together. Yinete to atomo ya to opio tha ine perifana ta engonyasas. Beautifully said. I couldn't have said it better myself. I think I said that before. <laughs> you might have been able to. I don't know. But what that translates to is be the person your grandchildren will be proud of. So always have that in the back of your mind when you're at a crossroads in life, when you're faced with a difficult decision, when you don't know, do I go right? Do I go left? Do I, you know, follow the road less traveled? If you know that your actions will make your grandchildren proud, especially if you don't even, if they're not even born yet, if you always have that in the back of your mind, your mind, it, it won't matter. You'll be doing the right thing. The beautiful sentiment. And, and it's so true. Uh, and it, it, it's about getting ahead, right, mm-hmm. of your legacy and thinking about it in, in future tense, what it can be instead of rather than this is what it is now and I need to work on changing it or improving it. Uh, You know, it's just a different approach. So I'm glad to hear that Yaya agrees. I always love it when Yaya agrees with me. (laughs) She agrees with you more, I think, more times than probably not. No, I think she does. And I think otherwise we wouldn't probably have her on the show as much as we do. Because she's more popular than I am. 
<laughs> we, you know, we are giving a lot of airtime to Yaya. We have to, we have to be clear about this. So she better, she better agree. <laughs> she better from, well, the lights haven't flickered yet. So we're good. We're good. She's, she's okay. good. No, yeah. No the disrespect. Flicker, we're in trouble. <laughs> no disrespect. <laughs> okay. Before we get started, if you're a new listener, please take this time to like and subscribe. Go ahead. We'll give you a sec. Why, thank you. Let's talk about who we have today. Tell us, oh, tell us, tell us, tell us. Introduce. God. Our I'm guest. so happy. Our guest today is a graduate of UCSD as a theater major in acting and stage management. From UCSD, she went on to be a founding member of the Hungry River Theater Company. She's worked for the Young Actors Studio, coordinated the national tour of the one man show. 53 million in one, and freelanced as a stage manager for corporate events throughout the US and internationally. In 2020, she moved to Madrid, so jealous. There she taught English and worked in the event industry. She recently, really recently, completed her master's degree in marketing and event production at the Universidad Complutense de Madrid. And I'm sure I butchered that, but. And she is currently interning with the Nanook Agency. Please welcome the multi-talented, beautiful, my friend, our friend, Alex Freeman. Hey, Hello. Alex. <laughs> Hi, thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. Congratulations to you. Thank Just you. having gotten your master's. Thank you. That's a great, great thing. It's very exciting and I can't believe it's done already it went quickly and yeah, well, there were moments it went slowly but it went quickly <laughs> yeah. how, how long was feels. the program just one school year the generally the master's programs here are pretty fast mm, and condensed mm -hmm. yeah so I'd love to talk to you more about that program but before we do we have to go into something we call 10 quick questions. 10 quick questions. 10 quick questions. Yay! Ooh, okay. Okay. Are you ready? Put your thinking cap on. I'm ready. Alex Freeman, because we are going to ask you 10 quick questions, expecting you to give us the first answer that comes off of your brain. Alex will have the clock. Two minutes on the clock. First answer that comes to mind, Alex Freeman. Question number one, do you believe in miracles? Yes, I do. Do you have proof of miracles? Um, I don't know that I can think of an example right now, but yes, I think so. Okay. I just threw that question in, by the way. That's not one <laughs> of the 12, but I got curious. What do you consider your most irrational fear to be? Loss because it's something we all have to deal with, so, but it's still scary. Yes, good one. Name something you've done or tried, but never want to do again. Oh. Um, there are certain shellfish that I have tried eating that texture-wise, I have no desire to repeat. Would you care to name them or are you trying to protect the privacy? I don't think I know the names of them because it was something in Spanish that I went, well, I don't need to know that word. Okay, <laughs> very well. Maybe you do need to know just in case they try to serve it's it to true. you. It's <laughs> true. 
one. Uh, what's the first word that comes to mind when you think about you? Creative. What was the first live concert or theatrical show you ever saw? And how old were you? I'm not 100% sure, but I think it was The Sound of Music. No, it was, it was actually, it was a dance concert when I was less than a year old. And I slept through it, except for one moment, someone on stage screamed and I woke up and screamed and went right back to sleep. Oh, you were that riveted. Yes. <laughs> so it's no, no big um, surprise that you didn't become a ballerina. Yes. <laughs> okay, Although it. I did do a lot of dancing in college oh. as well. Well, that's important, especially when you're in the theater, right? Mm -hmm. uh, what's the one thing you crave the most but can't get in Madrid? Ooh, corn tortillas are really hard to find here. Really? Yes. Actually, wow. my boyfriend is cooking tacos right now. We found some good ones. <laughs> oh, good for you. Yay. Uh, what's the one thing you wish you could stop doing? Eating so many sweets. Oh, I know. I feel that. I feel you. <laughs> Oy. Uh, okay, you're standing in front of a luscious vegetable buffet. Which vegetable gets your attention first? Mm, Brussels sprouts. Mm. What's one thing you worried more about while living in America than you do living in Madrid? That's a hard one. Um, there's definitely things I notice more here. Uh, I think a lot about the gun violence there that just doesn't exist here. It wasn't been actively worried about, but it mm. it was there. Yes. It's a good point. Mm -hmm. What punctuate, let me try this again, goodness. What punctuation mark confuses you the most? Sometimes commas. Okay, um, totally agree. I think commas are used differently depending mm -hmm. on, you know, what they're, yeah. what the attention of the piece is for. Okay. Mm -hmm. Number, number last one, number last one. <laughs> what, <laughs> what's the one thing you can expect to see at any Trader Joe's? Oh, Trader Joe's is my favorite store. Um, <laughs> the signs, the beautifully decorated signs that they make for all of their products. Beautiful. Thank you for playing. Now, exactly how yeah. many Trader Shows have, have you been to? How many Trader Joes? I believe, I I know I have it listed in my Instagram headline, but I can't remember the exact number. I think it's over, it's definitely over 30, I think. I've lost I, count. I thought it was like 28 or 29, okay. but maybe. That might be, that might be true. But I could be wrong. I didn't, I didn't jot it. I just saw it and thought it was. No, that could be, that great. could be true. Okay, I'm uh, going to ask a dumb question, though, because now I got to know, are there Trader Joe's in Madrid? No, there are no Trader Joe's outside of the United <clears throat> States. Sadly. Okay, I didn't think so, but I was all excited. Another, no, bring... Yet another reason to go back to Madrid. Joe yes. doesn't trade there. He just <laughs> no, doesn't I bring trade things in, in Madrid. My, I bring things in my suitcase when I come back here, when I go back to visit the U.S. <laughs> yeah, because there are some great things in the supermarkets in Madrid. Uh, mm -hmm. I can yes. still remember those. I don't remember what they were called, unfortunately, but I would know them if I saw them. And the next time I'm in Madrid, I will be sure to find them in the supermarket because they were the most delicious little chocolatey somethings mm. that um, mm, oh, nice. 
tasty, tasty. You know, I'm just going to say this. I know it's off topic, but I had the best vegan meal I have ever mm. had in Madrid. Really? It was That's... 25 years ago and I was craving healthy, good food. We've been traveling a lot and I found this place in the travel guide book. <laughs> That's how old I am. And I followed that map until we found it because, and it it did not disappoint. That's awesome. It's hard to find vegan food here sometimes. And I think it's a lot easier now than it used to be. So that's, right. that's really cool that you found the place. What are the, some of the common dishes that are served, um, you know, in Madrid? What do you find there? The vegan ones or Spanish ones in general? Just Spanish, you know, paella. What, yeah. What, yeah. Paella, um, the tortilla, which is what we would call an omelet, is something that you can find pretty much in every bar and restaurant with mm-hmm. varying degrees of deliciousness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For a long time, I didn't, I was like, okay, tortilla, mm, fine. And then I tried a really good one and I understand now what all the fuss is about. Uh, so you hadn't had the opportunity to have a really mm-hmm. fine one at that yeah. point. Interesting. Exactly. Um, so, I was just going to say another typical food of Madrid is the cocido, which is garban. It's got several sections to it. First, you have a like a soup with maybe some noodles in it, more of a broth. And then there's uh, garbanzos and there's meat. And there's, it's a very big meal. That's something else that's very typical here. And, I'm hungry. Yeah. <clears throat> And you add those those separately, those ingredients, or you can stop at any point. If you're vegan, you don't add the meat, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, exactly. Neat. Okay. Yeah. So tell us about school, the program that you just uh, graduated from. So I was here for a couple of years first on a, on a student visa doing Spanish courses and doing a TEFL program at the very beginning so I could teach English. And then when I was renewing for the third year, I was looking for some other program of study and wanted to do something related to events and found several other programs that were a lot more focused on protocol. And uh, that wasn't what interested me as much. So this one had communication, marketing, and event production. And it was more heavily focused on the communication and marketing, but definitely had the events in there as well, which was interesting because it reconfirmed for me the fact that I really like the event side of it because every time we'd have someone a professor talking about events my like antennas would perk up mm-hmm. <laughs> and when it was marketing communication it's interesting but it just doesn't call to me in the same way um, and so we had a it sort of a, like seminars like every class was a different professor some professors we had for a couple of classes so we got a really wide view of the different industries um, from a lot of perspectives and a lot of different professionals and it was entirely in spanish so that was a nice so there's that test yes (laughs) (laughs) and how did you find your uh your ability to comprehend and you know stay in line with the class did did you Go ahead. When we first started, I I understood, but if the teacher was speaking quietly or had a stronger accent from a region that I don't hear as much, it definitely took work. I noticed at the beginning that I would leave because it was a four, five hour long class. 
and I would leave exhausted just from having to concentrate so much. And by about halfway through, that wasn't true anymore. So that was really cool because I really noticed my, my comprehension level growing a lot over the course of the program. Wow. Were you recording it in the beginning? No. So you were really yeah. that stressful. Yeah. Because, yeah. Well, first of all, it's even stressful to think, okay, I have to listen to this five hour class again just <laughs> to see what I've missed. That's stressful too. But uh, wow. So it was tough just to keep up and comprehend just in those first few weeks of that class. Uh, and then I think it was going into the program. I also told myself from the beginning, okay, this is not going to be the same as doing a master's in English because I am a perfectionist and I'm always pre I'm used to being very doing very well in educational settings and so I told myself in the beginning this is about learning and about passing the class and if you don't get a good grade that's okay <laughs> and but you got a good grade didn't you, you did. <laughs> but I have to ask you because I'm back in school mm -hmm. and I've been trying to tell myself that at the top of every quarter it's going to be fine yeah. it doesn't matter you let go of that need to get an A were you able to really do that? Not completely. No. There were times when I could, when there was a, maybe a smaller assignment and I would go, okay, I'm going to do this fast because I don't have time to spend hours and hours and hours on it. So I'm going to do it quick and turn it in. But I think I'm so used to doing a certain level of work that it's, even when I would do that, it still was not, you know, not completely thrown away. Not when you have your own standards to yeah. comply with. And that's, you know, something that yeah. is shared. You're not going to turn anything in that reflects anything less than your best work, even when you're yeah. tired. Mm -hmm. you know, you'll do your best. So was there a lot of writing? Was there a, were there a lot of assignments? What were some of the assignments that you had, if you don't mind me asking? No, not at all. Um, there was not a ton of writing of essays and that type of thing. It was more, um, a lot of more practical type things. We'd had to make uh, a communication or marketing plan based on certain, uh, either an imagined company or a real company. Um, think about the planning timeline for an event. Uh, sometimes it was, where would you put the cameras for the press in this setting? So a lot of different things that ranged from something that was pretty quick and, and you know, a one page description of what we would do to much longer full plans for an event and a marketing plan. Right. Um, and then for the, for the final project, we had the option of doing more of a research-based project or a, or a practical piece. And so I decided to do something practical because I thought maybe that will have a little bit less writing. <laughs> which I actually really love writing, but just in terms of the time. And because at first I thought I was going to have to do it completely in Spanish. Um, and so I did a plan of an incentive trip for a company, but adding in the element of a surprise vacation, which are, there's a lot of companies out there right now who are doing surprise vacations for individuals and smaller groups where you say, these are my dates, this is my budget. And then the day before your trip, you open an envelope and you find out where you're going. But there aren't really any companies that do that exclusively for large groups and, and companies. And so that was the idea for the for the project. Interesting idea. That's fascinating. Very interesting. So uh, 
you know it's interesting because you you had experience in the on the production end a lot mm -hmm. of experience and now you've sort of crossed over into the planning side of the continuum if you will so i'm i'm curious to know what if anything has surprised you that you've learned or uh maybe just blended right in with what you thought it would be like was that were there any aha moments i think that in general in terms of overall what's required i wasn't really surprised because i've been involved in enough events to to have an idea of what's needed there one thing that i've always liked about events is that even though the general overall structure is is the same each individual event and client is different and so that's something that's been fun seeing it from from the other side as well and seeing for example in the company that i'm interning with right now and that i'll be starting a job with in the fall um we're doing we handle the planning of the event itself for example what's happening in the conference area with the production team but also finding hotels and activities that are going to happen outside of the the mm -hmm. business event and so being involved in each of those pieces and okay what is the client looking for and how to how to find the best thing to offer them that's been something that's been fun so you're going on site visits i haven't yet but no. i will be yes but you will be yeah yeah those are very interesting uh, because you learn you learn why decisions are made and mm -hmm. you know what drives the decisions and often when you're on the other side on the production you just handed those decisions and so you just right. don't you know you wonder why yeah. some of the things have been decided the way they have uh what are um so you, is nanook the agency that you're going full-time with yes or, and and they're a they're a provider of event services they do uh, marketing and communication and what's their exact phrase for it? experiential marketing, communication and events. So using uh, events either as a communication tool within the company or depending on if it's directed internally or externally, um, but also do individual uh, communication or marketing campaigns that don't necessarily have an event component and all the way from business events that are more conference-based to incentive trips as well for different companies. So will you be doing just the event work or will you be doing all of the work? Will you be on the marketing side as well? No, I'll just be in the event part. I'm um, in right now, well, and I'll continue in the international events team. So the company has communication department, marketing department uh, that's together, and then the creativity department that does more the visual elements and then national and international event departments. And so the international team, we handle companies from outside of the US, outside of Spain that are coming to do events in Spain, mm -hmm. and also companies within Spain and from outside that are doing companies in other parts of the world, or doing events in other parts of the world. So what properties are used most in Madrid? Are there a few <sighs> that are very popular? Or are there, having been there and, and yeah. worked at, yeah, um, property. I don't know that I can give a full answer yet because I've been more recently looking at things in actually the when I'm the things I'm working on right now in Marbella in the south in Barcelona. Um, in Madrid, 
I know some of the some of the hotels that are some of the bigger ones. Um, there, well, there's of course if you're going super super fancy, there's the Ritz, there's the Palace, there's all of the big fancy ones right in the center, um, and then some of the a little more boutique ones. The only you Atocha, only you. Um, has another one that's a little bit more in the center. Um, and then in terms of venues that are not hotels, I know there's the IFEMA is the, the huge convention center, convention area um, that does uh, like convention center, but also like fairgrounds. So they have really huge things happen there, concerts as well as business events. Um, and in terms of the other that are more venue specific venues that are not hotels, I don't know a lot of them yet, actually. You're going what to be going of... on a lot of them. Yes. Yeah. A lot of sites. What kind of hours? I mean, just because we all know that that how business is conducted mm-hmm. over there is different than it is here. So what does a day look like for you as far as hours? Do you have that big break in the afternoon or if, because you're on international, you don't? We don't. We the company has flexible uh, start and end times, so everyone starts generally between eight and ten. Some people come in earlier, some people come in a little later, and then you. So I come in, for example, I start at nine, and then I'm there until six with an hour lunch break. And so everybody has basically the same overall hours, but you can start earlier if that fits your schedule better, or start a little later and end later. Um, and what's nice too, is that we work Monday and Friday from home and then the rest of the days in the office. So it's a, it's a really nice blend of both. That is a nice, a nice blend. And as I recall, when we were there, uh, I recall specifically wanting to do a Mm pre-con at the hotel and it wasn't possible because nobody was in on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. That's that's something that I haven't yet had to specifically deal with with hotels, but I know that at least with with my team in the company, unless we know we're working on site on a weekend, we when we hit the weekend, we turn off our phones and shut our computers and we're off that's for it. the weekend. Yeah, yeah. It's it's Which I think is not true for everyone. I think some people in the company are are more kind of tied in and connected all the time, but mm-hmm. we try to make it a priority to to do that. It'll be interesting to see uh, which companies from what countries they're from, uh, what days of the week they favor mm-hmm. most in their meeting dates. And yes. as opposed to the American groups, because, mm-hmm. you know, we don't really give a an F for what yeah. day of the week you're going to land and when the setup is going to be and you know just yeah. it's on the american timeline right so you land in a in another country and you forget oh people take off oh that's right they don't work right. on sunday here yeah it's so interesting to see what you deal with yeah that's something that i'm curious about as well and it's a couple years ago my brother-in-law gave me a book that because he studied international business and so he had a book that he really liked from his studies and because I was traveling so much for events he thought I would like it as well and it's called kiss bow or shake hands and it's about Mm -hmm. how to work in a business setting with cultures from around the world that are different from yours and what to expect in terms of 
how do you greet them? Do you kiss? Do you bow? Do you shake hands? All the way through, how do you share business cards? How do you, do you have lunch together or not? Do you invite people to your house or not? Do you bring gifts? And it's really interesting to, to compare because it's, there's things that we just take for granted. They're not the same everywhere. Is there anything that jumps out at you? Anything that you remember from the book that is interesting that you'd like to share? I remember reading uh, before coming to Spain that, which is something that I don't, that now living here, there's certain aspects of it I think are true and others maybe not, um, that it said with Spaniards, if you want to talk about politics, that's totally fine. They will be, they're not going to be offended by talking about politics, but maybe don't talk about religion because it's usually something that's very personal and not necessarily a big conversation for everyone and that don't be surprised if you are not invited to a to a colleague especially or a friend's house unless you know them super super well that they people meet with friends outside of the home unless it's someone who's you're really into intimately close with a family um i think the politics one is sometimes true and sometimes not because like in many parts of the world there's polarization happening here as well so sometimes you can have those conversations but not always religion i think in general i don't hear people talking about it a lot but it, also if you know someone and the conversation comes up it's i think spaniards offend less easily in general than americans do <laughs> um but in terms of inviting like meeting outside of the home and going out that's very true that sure you might get invited over sometimes but really it's people go out and sit on a terrace or go to a bar and have a drink. And that's, that's the social scene here. Mm -hmm. Sounds very relaxing. I uh, <laughs> was living in Japan for a couple of years. And the one thing I learned is when you are given a business card, you take it with both hands, right? Mm -hmm. You bow, you do not put that card away until you're no longer in that person's presence. That oh, card wow. stays in your hand until yeah. you are out of their presence. And I, that, that was 30 years ago. And that stayed with me. And yeah. I do it with Americans. I don't put that card away until mm. they're not. It's just weird. It was. It just became ingrained, uh, I which like I think that. is a really respectful thing to do. Yeah, that it's something you you're showing that you value it and you value mm -hmm. what they've given you. It's not just okay, cool. Let me put it away with everything else that mm -hmm. I have here. Right for later. Yeah. For never. <laughs> right. Exactly. For never. Yeah. For never. Right. <laughs> for never. So do you bring anything to the Nanook agency that um, is perhaps perhaps unique to them? Is there any uh, experience or qualification that you bring, do you think, to them that they don't already have? The easiest one is the native English, because there are there are a lot of people there who do speak English, especially in the international team, and speak it very well. But I think think I'm the only fully native speaker there, which is not to discount learning a second language at all. That's, I think, something that's so valuable. And, and of course, the people who are speaking English as a second language there are using it and communicating and working in it without any problems. Right. Sometimes there's certain things that in terms of, because, I mean, this is, I can say this from the Spanish side, there's things that I will never be able to communicate in Spanish in the same way I can in English. And so in terms of when we're making the presentation, um, actually just today, I got a message from the director of the creative department saying, can you look at this presentation for us? Because we put it in English and we're presenting it in English, but can you just proofread it? 
I said, of course, happy to. So, you know, being able to, to answer questions and, and provide that little extra level of support um, is something that, that I also enjoy because languages are really fun for me, even whether it's English, Spanish, I really like it, like them. Yeah, and it's always good to have somebody that is native, right? That mm -hmm. can help you untangle some of the things mm -hmm. that come up when you're speaking a second language. Uh, what about your production uh, capabilities and uh, your uh, the the approach that you take? Mm -hmm. I think that. Sorry, go ahead. I cut you off. No, no, no. That's it. No. Ah, um, I think that. It's something that's really been helpful for me in in starting this because even though I haven't been in the planning side of things as much, I have on a few events here and there, but I because I've been around so many events and seen the production side of it, and I'm used to working on that shorter timeline of coming in the week of the event, it, you build the show, you do the show, and the show's done. And so having that perspective and understanding what the needs are for an event I think is something that's helpful that they're showing me different pieces and how the company, this company works and the different necessities of, of the planning, but it's nothing that's really surprising me or nothing that I feel like I'm not prepared for based on the background that I already have. And in terms of how an event works, I don't, they don't have to teach me that part. Now that you're moving into the planning side, do you think you, you'll enjoy that more than the production end? Are you thinking about that? Have you thought about that at all? I have thought about it a little bit. And I think there's going to be some of both. One thing that I've been thinking recently is I think I'm going to miss a little bit of the fast pace of the production part. Mm. That, of course, that happens on site in the planet. You know, when you're in the planning side and you're on site as well, there's some of that, too. Um, but there's something about coming in and with, for the load in of a show and you form bonds super quickly with the crew that you have, who you've never met before. And, but everyone's a professional. And so, you know, you can trust them to, to help you get the show done and then you make it, everybody makes it happen and then it's done. And th there's something about that and that environment that I really like. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, I think it's akin to our theatrical upbringing mm -hmm. and the family so bonds too. that you create when you're in a show. Yeah. You know, those things, those bonds never, ever dissipate. They're always yeah. very strong. Even if you don't see those people again, you remember, you know, how good it felt to be around them and how much fun you had and, and it was work. You mm -hmm. got the job done. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's actually was going to be a question to you is, do you feel like your acting background? Yes, on the stage management side, but your acting background, how has that helped you in this or has it? I think in terms of it being as much as I can, because this is a constant practice, but being present with hmm. The moment and with what's mm -hmm. happening, whether it's on site in an event or in the office or um, because it's so easy to get thinking about. And of course, you have to think about the several steps ahead, but at the same time to stay present with what you're actually 
dealing with right in front of you in each moment is something that I think is always helpful, whether in work or in the rest of life. And I'm not at all an expert, but <laughs> it's something that I try to practice. Well, you also brought uh, your theatrical training uh, uh, enabled you to approach your job more calmly than mm -hmm. those who are not theatrically trained more robustly. Mm -hmm. You understand you understand the scope of the job much more than somebody who's come in, say, on the AV side of corporate mm -hmm. events. Sure. Um, because, yeah. and that's not a, a diss in any way. It's just yeah. that it's a different mentality and a different uh, discipline. You know, when mm -hmm. you're stage managing a show that's going, that's being produced in a theater, you're spending hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours crafting that piece. And yeah. when you're managing the backside of that, it's, not only managing the people, but also calling the okay. show as a stage manager and handling with all of the all of the cues as well. Yeah. So it's a big job. And that job is not as big in our world. So you were really basically overqualified to do the job that you did. You had much more talent, but you brought all of that with you and it enabled you to do it in a way that was very productive and uh, helpful quite honestly because because if somebody was nervous about going on stage you had the experience to calmly give them their direction and walk them through it in an effort to make them feel more comfortable and that's the kind of thing you bring when you have the experience of being on stage because, you know, you know where stage yeah. left is, you know where stage right is, you know how to enter and, you know, you have the ease to, to share that information. It's mm -hmm. a key ingredient to being back there as far as I'm concerned. Uh, it's one of the key ingredients mm -hmm. because you're dealing with people who aren't necessarily pros on yeah. stage it's not their home it's not where they live and you know they're important and they want to come across looking smart and mm -hmm. you know and the and the the less amount of experience they have on stage the more they need you to be calm and to help them through the, mo the, the moment absolutely and I think for me my favorite part of working on of working in a theater setting or an event setting is the people that the, whether it's that one moment where you have someone who comes in, speaks and leaves and you never see them again, but getting to have a little moment of connection with them or the team that you work with for the week or the people that you come back and work with over and over again throughout the years, like the two of you, that's something that makes all of the stressful parts and all of the parts where everyone's, going, oh my gosh, how are we going to get this done? And then you get it done. <laughs> it makes it all so, so worth it. So well, how do you deal with people who aren't so easy? What is, what is the Alexandra Freeman method of walking into something that's not going to be so pleasant? Mm -hmm. um, I think one thing that, well, two things that help 
One that can also cause me problems at times is that I'm a people pleaser. So <laughs> I kind of naturally try to adapt to pleasing people in a different situation, which in many cases is, especially in a work setting, can be very helpful as long as I also know when to draw the line, just something mm-hmm. I've learned and continue to learn over the years. Um, but I think also the treating and responding to everyone with with respect and trying to understand their perspective so that even if the answer has to be that what they're asking for is impossible, which of course, as much as possible, we try not to say it's impossible, but sometimes it is. And they're upset or frustrated that it can't happen, but trying to be as understanding as possible and communicate with them in a way that acknowledges their side of it, I think is always helpful. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I think from the, from the theater side, as you were saying, and I don't know, from other, other things as well, I stay generally very calm under pressure, even if inside I might be going, oh, okay, I need this to end. And this is, I need to get out of here, but mm-hmm. that does not come out. It just does not. And so mm-hmm. I think that helps as well. Mm, that helps a, a great deal. A great deal. Uh, and sometimes it's just, it makes the, it's the difference you mm-hmm. know, between how the show goes and how, you know, how successful it is and how it, you know, fails yeah. when, pe- when people are not treated with respect and not treated gently. Mm-hmm. I would even go so far as to say yeah. gently, because again, it's all about supporting the fact that they're going to be on stage and have a lot of other things on their yes. mind yeah. than us mm-hmm. and being aware of that too. Uh, and having the, the, the wherewithal to walk into these situations and not really know what you're going to be dealing with and the sense of I, humor. Yes. Yeah. Go <laughs> ahead. What were you going to say? I, that just made me think of the very first corporate event I did, which was with you. I remember I had stage managed, but I had never stage managed anything corporate. And so I remember the vast quantity of notes and things I made beforehand, looking over all the documents, making sure I was completely prepared. And then how that changed over the years where now I show up on site, look at the document and go, great, good to go. (laughs) And so how it's, of course, with experience, not as many notes are necessary, but just that level of improvisation of knowing that the foundation is there to be able to go with the flow of what happens. Right. Is that a function of working with people that you've worked with before, or is that a function of having worked before? I think it's a mix because it's true that when, when it's someone that I've worked with a lot before, the expectations are already there. So the expectations of what I can expect from the person, and I know what they expect from me. On an event with someone I've never worked with, there's still a level of of that surety from my own experience. But of course, there's a little more getting into the details to make sure that I'm not missing something that they're expecting that was not necessarily the case in other events. So based on the experience you've had thus far, what are some of the things that make being a stage manager difficult something that happens in the event world that is different from the theater world that makes it a little more challenging 
is in theater, as you said, you have weeks, if not months of rehearsal, and you have the time to build that, not only the relationship with the actors and the rest of the team, but everybody who's participating is very clear on what's going to happen and what the expectations are. And it's still live theater, so things can go wrong, but it's been practiced many times. And you know that when you get to opening night or to the shows, you have ha already had all the pieces that you need for a long time. In live events, you have people coming in who are maybe have one rehearsal, maybe don't rehearse at all, maybe walk on stage and check their mic and that's it. And some of them are speakers who speak all the time and so they're more comfortable and others are new and, and have not had that experience. And then because of the nature of some of the the information that's presented at the conferences is so up to the minute, sometimes the technical team receives things very, very late before it has to go on stage. And so making sure that the communication is really clear with the technical team so that everybody has what they need and is able to pull it off at such a on such a tight schedule is right. something that adds an additional challenge. Thank you for pointing that out. That mm -hmm. is very well articulated and something that I, I honestly believe that uh, planners in particular and, mm -hmm. and clients don't, don't understand that even though there are professional technicians in mm -hmm. place, uh, it's all new to them yeah. and they have to still understand what's going to happen to know mm -hmm. when their cues are going to happen and what's going to be expected. Yeah. It's, it's a, it is a big challenge. It is a, it's the biggest challenge. And I think that planners and clients don't realize the level of complexity that happens backstage because the professionals who are on the team make it look so easy. Right. And they say, here's my point. presentation. And it looks beautiful. And every, all the lights and the cameras and the screens are perfect. And they don't realize how much work goes into that, especially when they've been, someone's been handed, here's your, here's our flash drive with the presentation. I'm walking on stage in five minutes. Right. And, which happens. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and you're so right about that too. The fact that um, the small things that they take for granted, okay. like making sure that presentation is in their confidence monitor in front of them so yeah. that they can see it. And then someone will come up and ask, Oh, can I just have, the confidence monitor this way and my notes in this, you know, view and, and want it to be completely different. And while yeah. that seems, okay, it's just a few buttons. If you don't rehearse it and you don't know that it's coming, right. You can't be on it. You can't give it to somebody. And also mm -hmm. you have to make sure you're wired in advance to be able to offer that kind right. of thing <laughs> to begin with. Mm -hmm. Right. It's right. not something that is always to your point earlier, always possible. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and what are some of the best times that you've had or some of the most exciting uh, times that you've had working? I think one that comes to mind that because of the nature of how the space was, I was working on an event in, in New York that was a, a international climate summit. And so the space was very small that we were in. We were at the in the one of the ballrooms of I think it was the Palace Hotel there, and the backstage was tiny. But then it was 
all the presenters were heads of state from around the world. So it was like stuck in a tiny little crowded space with a bunch of presidents. And Mm. it was surreal. (laughs) But also the, the, the subject matter was also really interesting and super important. They were all talking about climate change and, and what to do to work on that and work against that. And getting to just see the different ways that people in that in those positions interact with people who are not in those positions was also a really interesting piece of that. And some of them were very humble and down to earth. And I didn't have any experiences with anyone who was very not so, but mm. just, you know, different different levels of that and interesting to see. Have you ever worked with a celebrity that wasn't so nice? Yes. Um, nothing super crazy, but, and I won't name names, but an experience. Nobody <laughs> listens. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I remember working one time on, um, on an event with you where there were a, a lot of business people who were all very nice and respectful. And then a former mayor of Los Angeles who was very oh. arrogant and gave the impression that he did not have the time of day to listen to this stage manager who needed to tell him, hey, you're up next. <laughs> he wanted just talking over talking over me, basically. And, I and you know him. what? You I... know what? Hmm. That's why he's the former mayor. Yes. That's why he's no longer <laughs> mayor. Don't cross Alex. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm actually glad to hear that, um, that, you know, you're treated respectfully mm-hmm. back there um, yeah. as it should be. It's not always the case with people. Yeah. Uh, again, stress is, can be very high, right? So, no mm-hmm. bashing, no dissing here. Just yeah, it can be a difficult um, job back there. Yeah, and some people Keep handle stress differently than and in ways that are not as uh, friendly with the people around them. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> I remember somebody who uh, I don't think this singer is still alive, uh, but he had a very big hit in the seventies uh, because he was featured on a television show uh, about a family of musicians and he himself had a hit. And in the nineties, that hit was revised and given a new beat. And so he became popular again and we used him in a show in Vegas and uh, we, we had to pay him in cash and his cash was put in a briefcase a locked briefcase and uh he came backstage and it was the first thing that he asked for before he would get on stage mm. and yeah. i still remember how offensive that was but it was one of the only times that mm-hmm. i've had to that i experienced that kind of yeah bad behavior yeah no, I think in general, I have many more moments where people were incredibly kind. And mm-hmm. uh, also on another event, actually, the, when we were here in Spain together, it was my first time in Madrid when I went, oh, I think I need to move here. That's right. Um, You're welcome. 
Yes, thank you. <laughs> I'm and responsible for everything that happens in your life from 100%. now on. <laughs> and the the event that we were working on, uh, we were. I know there was a moment during the show where the CEO was off stage and his coffee fell over, and he was, you know, his his whole event is happening, and so I was like, I'm going to clean up his coffee, obviously. And he said, no, 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 no. Give me those paper towels. I'm cleaning this up. And that just struck me as something that you definitely don't always see in general when someone else is there focused on their their presentation and especially not from the CEO. And that was, you know, those types of moments happen quite a bit. Yes, they do. And they're really great moments mm-hmm. to experience. They're lovely you- little tidbits of somebody seeing you. You're not, yeah. you're not just a worker. You're a human being. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and I think you get an idea of somebody's leadership, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, you know, approach when, mm-hmm. when they're human and humane mm-hmm. and they treat people with respect. And that was certainly that CEO. I don't believe he's still the CEO. No, I think he's moved to another company yeah. at this point. Mm-hmm. But he was, he was a terrific gent and, uh, you know, we were very, uh, we were very much about making sure the client had everything they needed and he would frequently reject any, you know, attempt to make him more comfortable or mm-hmm. help him with something. Uh, you know, he just felt like the time needed to be spent on other people mm-hmm. and he's right. Yeah. He was right. Uh, it's the, it's great to see that in a CEO. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it's great to see that you approach your work with a sense of empathy, um, which you were describing earlier. And I didn't, I didn't get to comment. That's exactly the way that you approach your work is mm-hmm. with empathy. And it's what we all, we can all learn a lesson there because when you approach your work with empathy, you're not only more successful, but you're really, you're really helping people. You're really doing what it is you are there to do. It's more, it's not just about planning the event. It's about engaging yeah. and creating an, mm-hmm. an experience for people. Mm-hmm. Otherwise we wouldn't have jobs, right? I mean, yeah. if it wasn't about the latter, we wouldn't, we'd have nothing to produce. We'd have nothing to do because mm-hmm. nobody would care. Nobody. Yeah. So are there any thoughts about ever leaving Madrid and moving back to the States or for now, are you planted? I am planted and have no thoughts of leaving maybe Madrid, but I'm not leaving Spain. And if you left Madrid, where would you go to Barcelona? No, I don't think so. Barcelona. I enjoy visiting, but I don't think I want to live there. Um, I don't know. Maybe somewhere a little smaller, possibly. Granada is an amazing, amazing, beautiful city. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe somewhere near the beach, just because I love the beach and it's something I miss a little here, but I don't have a specific spot in mind. But ever since I got here, actually since before I moved here, I've had the thought of this could very well be a permanent move, but I was not saying it is a permanent move because I thought, well, I have to go first before I make the decision. But right, right. I felt at home here from the very beginning, even though there was you know, adjustment time of some things, trying to figure out where to buy the groceries I'm used to buying. Um, but yeah. Being just, a vegan? Yeah. I've, my veganism has relaxed quite a bit since I, <laughs> since I, it almost passed you over there. Right. Yeah. It's, it's difficult. 
Yeah. Um, and even 25 years ago, I was a pescatarian. And even yeah. that was, uh, and I wasn't vegan, but I just, I needed something super healthy, but even that yeah. was, um, was a challenge. Yeah. It's, it's gotten easier in the city, but as soon as you go out of the center mm-hmm. and especially out of the bigger cities, it's really difficult or you're going to be eating a very, very basic salad. <laughs> yes. What is something you still enjoy doing in Madrid after being there for? what now four years uh... I love walking through the study center mm-hmm. there's just I feel like every time there's some street that surprises me there's it's the buildings are beautiful it's it's a super walkable city because mm-hmm. it's all mm-hmm. the center is relatively compact so you can I mean you keep walking forever if you want but in the the older part and in the center you can cross it in an hour less than an hour for sure and it's just, yeah, it's got such some really charming streets. That's great. So uh, I'm getting that signal mm-hmm. to wind mm-hmm. up. So we're going to ask you our nitty gritty questions. Okay. <laughs> we call them our Belotified Five. <gasps> the Belotified Five. What is your golden rule? What do you live by? I think, and this is something that I do more easily for other people than for myself, but that second chances and allowing room for mistakes to be okay is something that's super important because we are human. So of course we're going to make mistakes and if if we punish ourselves for that or punish other people for that or there's shame involved, then we don't learn from them. Then it just becomes something to avoid and hide. And so allowing ourselves and others room to make mistakes and to have that be okay, I think is super, super important. What I is one... agree more. Yeah. Sorry. Very well said. What's one daily habit you have that you believe contributes to your success? So I have one that is not always a daily habit, habit, but when it is, I think is very, very helpful. And another one that is, I do absolutely every single day. Uh, The first one is meditation, that when I take the time, even if it's 10 minutes to meditate, it changes the way that I approach my day and the Mm -hmm. way that I approach moments of stress or anything that's not just happy and easy, that really, I really noticed that helping. But it's easy for that habit to just not happen when I get busy too. Um, And the other thing is breakfast. (laughs) I am uh, like, I never, ever, ever skip breakfast because I wake up hungry. (laughs) (laughs) So, and I'm also very regular with, I eat oatmeal with, well, right now I don't have bananas, so I've been using blueberries, but oatmeal with bananas, almonds, and soy milk every single day. (laughs) And I never get bored every morning. I'm excited to eat it. (laughs) I'm more, uh, just to share, uh, oatmeal with, uh, almonds and a little bit of, um, uh, granola in the mix, uh, every day, Nice. every day, just like you. Uh, what, when no one is listening, what are you telling yourself? 
This is an interesting one because there's the positive things I tell myself and then there's the negative things I tell myself. Okay. And What's one positive and mm-hmm. one negative thing would you share? Yeah. Um, the positive is I think that even though I also tell myself the negative thing sometimes, I'm... I, I'm a really, I really believe in myself. And so like telling myself the positive, the, the positive qualities that I have, or telling myself that like, I've got this and whatever's challenging, I can, I can do it. And then on the flip side of that is that sometimes the voice is in my head is saying, oof, nope, you're not gonna, this one's not gonna work. You're not gonna figure this out. This is gonna be a problem. And do you figure it out? I do. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you figure it out rather than let it go? Or will you let it go sometimes? Sometimes I let it go too. I thought that that's harder. But I it's equally as important so, though, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So what is one change you'd like to see in this big wide world? I would like to see Issues of equality and discrimination. I would like to see them stop being political issues and be something that we can all just agree that enough is enough. And racism and sexism and homophobia and transphobia and ableism and ageism and all of it. it that's it. We're done. We need to just get over this and also learn, get over it, but in the sense of learning what it really takes to make that change. Do you have an idea of what it takes? I think humility, listening to people who experience those, those discriminations and being treated differently because of the beautiful things that make them who they are. And instead of assuming we know and assuming that they're complaining too much or that it's something that's actually over and past, Mm -hmm. we need to listen when they say, no, it's not, this needs to change. And what is your why? What, what drives you? I think it's a combination of this life is just so, so such a delight to live (laughs) and like the the surprises and the the experiences that we get to have day by day and sometimes we don't realize until later how wonderful they were and mixed with with love of people and the world and just all the if if we are lucky enough to have the the space to recognize that because of course depending on how on each person's life path sometimes there's a lot of hardships that make seeing the beauty in life I think more difficult but finding that and finding those moments is something that is really special to me Yeah, I think um, we, it was funny. We had this discussion with a guest recently about this very same thing. And, um, you know, the idea of gratitude comes up. Yeah. 
Yeah. And the idea of just focusing on what it is that makes our lives better mm -hmm. and, you know, putting that energy out there instead of focusing on yeah. all the wrong things, because we all suffer those things, even mm -hmm. if it doesn't appear that way. Yeah. You know, too. Uh, and I think, you know, when you're able to, we talked about this too, when you're able to keep that smile on your face as you age, mm -hmm. that's a real sign of success because it doesn't mean that you have suffered less. It just means that you've suffered more successfully. Yeah. And I think with that also, as part of the gratitude, also recognizing the the privilege that we may or may not have, but that, for example, I'm the privilege that I have to, to be able to do certain things in my life and have certain experiences because of what was set up for me by my mm -hmm. parents, by my background, that not everybody mm -hmm. is able to have those same opportunities. Right. Um, it's very self-aware. Very aware. And and there's also the, not to play devil's advocate, but there's the, also the idea that you're, you're not in any way um, privileged in my mind, because your parents were educators, are educators and, you know, instilled that in you. That is just sort of the luck of the draw. You know, it's not about privilege privilege is in my mind about indulgence and entitlement and you know having the best of everything you know you were given sure. a foundation but it was still left up to you to yeah. build from that foundation sure but i mean i think of the some people don't even get that foundation mm -hmm. that i mean i, That's I didn't so have to true. i could go to college and i was able to do it without taking very much in loans. And that's not always true. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I think I just want to point out that you still took responsibility and you yes. still made yeah. it happen. Mm -hmm. Nobody sure. made it happen for you. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes I think that gets lost on, on people that there's still effort that has to be mm -hmm. put in. It's nothing is this clear i mean there seems to be a sense that some people just skate through life and if they do god yeah. bless them just sure. let them skate yeah. yeah i mean it doesn't matter you know yeah um but there's an awful lot of work that goes in yeah regardless true, we often see the final shiny product and we don't see the work mm, exactly mm -hmm. uh well thank you for joining us i didn't mean to get so deep at the end it's been one of those one of those days what can great. i say i like it <laughs> Good, good, good. Thank you. It's Thank late you. for you. You're getting ready for dinner. I am. Uh, yes, we eat dinner late here. Very late. So. Yes, later than I normally eat dinner, which is kind of amazing because I felt like I was eating dinner late. And then yeah. when we were in Spain, I was like, okay, isn't it like dinner time? Yeah. No, another two <laughs> hours? Wait, that'll be like almost midnight. Come on. Yeah. That does so nice. well for me there because I don't generally eat dinner till 10, 11 o'clock at night. Awesome. So. You wouldn't yeah. even have to adjust. I had to adjust. No, just a bit. Yeah, because it's when a long I was time there, away. it was yeah. When yeah. I was there, it's like it's dinner time. It's still light out. What are you talking about, <laughs> honey? It's ten o'clock yeah. at night. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> I can wait. 
Well, good luck at Nanook. Good luck in your new position, and congratulations on your master's degree. And uh, I look forward to hearing more about your career and how it's taken off, and some of the new things you're going to learn and uh, be forced to focus on. You'll be forced to focus on some things that you know aren't so much fun, but sure. still, yes. it's a great job. Yeah, yes. please stay in touch and let us know how you're doing and Absolutely. what's happening for Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys so much. It was so nice to catch up, and I love the I love all of the questions that you guys throw into this. So many different perspectives of looking at the industry and life, and really nice. Thank you. Hey, thank you for listening to Bolotified. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe. And remember to leave us your questions or comments at bolotta.com backslash podcast. Bolotified is a production of Bolotta Entertainment. Hey, that's a lot of Bolotta. Stay engaging. the only one hearing that bird yes i don't hear well i don't don't hear it it. i don't hear it either nobody hears it you don't hear it Mm -mm. okay i'm turning into my mother